welcome to the Other Six Podcast, where we will discuss what it looks like to follow Jesus the other six days of the week. We'll discuss life, food, the recent sermon series of the North Liberty Church of Christ in North Liberty, Indiana. On the podcast with me today, uh, we've got Ben Webb. Hey, guys. And Patrick Andrews. Hello. And my name is Preston, and we've got a full episode for you today. Uh, we're going to be talking about some some stuff we learned from Party in the Park uh, that we just had this past week, depending on when you're listening to this. We've got some another trivia game coming up at the end where um, I'm, me and Ben are going to know all the answers. I'm very confident. Guaranteed. <laughs> but first, uh, I want to tell you guys a story. Um, this is, I want to tell Ben and Patrick, I want to tell you guys a story, but I also... Uh, this, this is something that happened to me this week, and it really got me thinking. So I, we've got a student, a former student. He just graduated high school. And we sometimes hang out, have, have him over to our house, watch movies and stuff. And But this particular student, I'm going to say his name because he deserves it. His name is Mason Ross. Uh, so if you guys, <laughs> if, you, if you're in the, in the North Liberty area and you know Mason. I thought you were going to keep this very like confidential. And nope. I love that we're just dropping names. Nope. It's fantastic. Nope. This is what he gets for treating me this way. <laughs> uh, so I'm always asking Mason to come over and hang out. And he's always busy. He's, I mean, he's got lots of friends, always busy doing stuff. He texted me last Thursday and he said, are you doing anything tonight? And I said, man, I'm free after this, after 7.30 or whatever. And uh, I'm excited because I'm like, Mason's actually asking to hang out. Like, this is big because I love hanging out with Mason and I never get to. And he's like, do you want to hang? And I'm like, absolutely, I want to hang. And here's his response. Uh, cool, because I just got a new MacBook for school and I figured you're good with computers. So do you want to help me set it up? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome mason that's not hanging that's using me hey, that's awesome <laughs> that's using me and uh i am kind of the uh of of certain people my family some of my friends i am the default tech guy i like computers i'm also the uh if someone's looking to play a new video game or i've gotten this question more times like in the last year um, I get this question a lot. I just got a new Switch. What games do you, mm. do you recommend? A Nintendo Switch. I just got a new Nintendo Switch. What games do you recommend? I've gotten that same one about five times in the last year and a half or so. Um, so people always ask me for game advice. People always ask me for tech, or they don't ask me for tech. They just give me their computers and tell me <laughs> to, to fix get it them. done. And no thing. one asks me either of those things. <laughs> no? Yeah. I get zero of those. The great thing with Mason, uh, his new computer, is he wanted help setting it up. So, I mean, he came over and uh, I clicked next about eight times during the setup process of a Mac. I <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah. just kept clicking next and then it was all set up. <laughs> I was like, there you go, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> now what do you want to do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then we watched Sharknado 4. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty much along the same lines as you. I get a lot of tech questions as well, um, but at work especially. <laughs> so we have like mobile, I like iPad units and stuff that we can order online stuff and just all the different like network networking stuff that we have to do throughout the, the store. And when something comes across on our, our website that is like, Hey, this needs to be updated. They corporate always sends a like step-by-step step, you can't miss on how to do these things. And every time that I'm not there, when that happens, I come back and it's broken. <laughs> I was like, what did you do? So I am the, the token, uh, tech guy mm -hmm. at, at, at Eddie Bauer. Yeah. Um, so I, I relate with that, 
But then people also come to me and they're like, hey, I have a 400 pound piano that needs to be moved. Come help me. I mean, you're just so strong, Patrick. I know. You know, I should take it as a compliment, yeah. but I have never shown why I would be good <laughs> at doing that. yourself yeah. to I've, be able to lift the Exactly. <laughs> like, I can try and I can help, but um, maybe it's just they just want another body mm, and they yeah. know I, I can't say no yeah. to things like that. So you're, so, you're just getting used to. Yeah. I, I guess that's the question is how, how do people use you? Yeah. <laughs> that makes me think of, of Jody, our family minister. Yeah. I mean, he's a big guy and he is a strong guy. I mean, football player mm -hmm. and uh, a cheerleader. That's a fun thing to say, <laughs> but he was the kind of cheerleader that throws other cheerleaders yeah, right. high in the air. So <laughs> yeah. a big, strong guy. Yeah. Um, he gets asked to move all the time. He actually worked for a moving company for a while. I did not know that. And, uh, and he get, I, I think it's why he actually owns a dolly, like a moving dolly mm. is because he got asked so often <laughs> that he just bought his own dolly. Yeah so that he could help people move because he's a nice guy and he says yes, but also because he wanted to be smarter than just the guy who shows up and just carries stuff. Right. Yep. I get some of that too. I have a truck, like especially in my car. I use you for that yeah. frequently. Yeah. In I, fact, I, hey, can I borrow your truck this week? I need to go pick <laughs> up some two by fours. You absolutely can. And that's <laughs> typically what happens now is I just say, yep, here are the keys. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm not going to go do it for you. Here, here you can go right. take it. But I remember in college, like, in, you know, your college days, you move a lot because you're moving from mm -hmm. one dorm to another or you're moving into an apartment or like everybody's moving all the time. If you have a truck in college, it's one of the worst decisions you could possibly make oh, because yeah. you will be the one who moves yep. everybody all the time. Yep. I've thought about buying a truck like as one of as one of my vehicles several times, but I've not because I've realized I don't want to be that guy. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be the truck guy. I've already got a truck guy. His name's Ben. I don't exactly. need a truck. I've, exactly. I basically have a truck. He just lives down the road. The, the older you get, the less that happens because your friends get more stable and they stop moving as often. And so it it is certainly much less now than it used to be. But yeah, if you have a truck, you're that guy. I am. Uh, I, I can remember my dad when I was growing up. My dad always told me stories that he was the, hey, I'm getting in a fight. Come help guy. Oh yeah. But my dad's never been in a fight. It was always the strangest thing. Even as he told me these stories, my dad's friends would be like, Hey, we're getting in a fight. We need you to come help us. And my dad's like, I've, I've never been in a fight. Why would I need to come <laughs> help you? But he's like, now as I, as I was a kid looking at my dad, my dad's a really big guy, but he wasn't that big when he was in high school. So I still can't even comprehend why, but according to my dad, he was always the, Hey, we're getting in a fight. We need your help guy. Just someone to tower over the op opponents, like someone to block the sun I guess. Maybe that's what it was. They needed someone tall to come block the sun so they could see what they were swinging at. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, I don't know. Anything I'm, else that you, that you guys get used for? I can think of one more for me. Um, and I think this is probably true for you as well, Ben. Working at a church, being a pastor, um, anytime you're at, at least anytime I am at any group function or any family function and there's a meal, um, I get volunteered to pray for that meal, which I don't mind. Like I, I like praying, but I do think it's funny that it's like, as soon as there's a pastor in the room, no one else is capable of praying. <laughs> so it has to go to the pastor to, to make that prayer. And they're assuming that if they pray, you're over there judging them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what it is. You're judging the quality of their pre-meal prayer. Yeah. I had a, we had students over last night uh, for tribe. And one of them, we were praying at the end of our tribe. And one of them was like, man, my uncle, he can like he can just come up with a prayer like really fast off the top of his head. I'm like, well, that's what. Like, I'm like, that's, that's kind of what. That's what prayer is. You're yeah. not supposed to like write them out. Yeah. <laughs> you can write them out, but you, you don't can. need to write them out ahead of time. Like you shouldn't be like, oh, I have to pray later. Here, I yeah. better write this. Yeah. It shouldn't be quite like that. It like should it be just so impressed that his, his uncle could pray. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think there's a there's a little bit of some problems with that. The way that the church has handled prayer, maybe a little maybe bit. But that, that's yeah. a conversation for a different podcast. Yeah, I think. <laughs> 
Yeah. No, I definitely get all that. I'm the football guy. Oh. So I have okay. people asking – people are constantly asking me about football, especially here recently because Texas and Oklahoma have announced that they're going to be joining the SEC, and that's like a big thing in college football right now. And so I'm constantly having people ask me, hey, what's going on with Texas? Why is this happening? Mm-hmm. And many of them don't know that I'm actually not on the inside of most of the information. <laughs> so like everything I know is the same articles that you're reading, yeah, but, but I'll Texas talk though? about it. Yeah. No, we, we got the Texas weekly email to update us and let us know what was going on with the University of Texas. And so I share with everybody as much as I possibly can. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, so I get, I get that a lot. I get a lot of people asking about like, when new Marvel stuff comes out because they know I consume all of that and more. And like whenever something happens in one of the standalone movies, they're like, how does that, where does that fall in the timeline? Like what, what implications does this have? Mm -hmm. Uh, I get that a lot. And I enjoy those conversations though. So it's not really using, I ask you sometimes about like confusing movies and stuff because you watch YouTube videos that spoil the endings of movies. Yeah. I've probably seen more, YouTube videos and I actually have seen the movies because I'll watch all the explanations for how this movie is going to happen and what's going to happen and then I don't go see yeah, the movie. So for example, like Tenet was one yeah. that Tenet's a very, it's Christopher Nolan, very confusing movie. Patrick has never seen Tenet, <laughs> but he knows more about it than I do. <laughs> yeah. I've seen it twice. <laughs> how long are these YouTube videos? Because that might be the way I would prefer to watch movies. Well, you know, most of the time, like anywhere from, you know, 10, 20 minutes and like, they just like like for and for tenant as example like this guy is with a whiteboard and he's like explaining the time like loops and stuff it's a time travel movie and stuff like that and that's well, i would say time travel, time travel not time travel conversion. but like yeah it's it's all over the place but so i watch i figure out how it all explains because i want to go time. it's all over the time <laughs> i want to go into watching the movie knowing what i'm ex- like going to see and understand it and then I just don't ever go see the movie. <laughs> I like Christopher Nolan movies because I like to, I like to go in and walk out more confused than I was when I didn't know anything. <laughs> yeah, and then watch it like five more times and just slowly learn more and more right. every time I watch it to slowly figure out that I still have no idea what's going on. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting a headache just thinking about this. This is, this is not at all a conversation. No, no one is ever asking me to explain movies. I guess no? they, I guess I yeah. think people know that. People know that Preston, you have terrible taste in movies. Preston has reached a point where he won't even talk to me I about won't. movies anymore because he has such a disrespect for me. I really do. I really do. And it's <laughs> probably well-earned. <laughs> like that's fair. I'm, I'm, I hate movies so much that it doesn't even bother At me. At this point, Ben's like, man, that. I watched this movie and it was so good. I'm just like, mm, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was good, huh? If anything, Preston's thinking, well, I guess I shouldn't watch that movie yeah, then. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So we haven't talked about food in a really long time um within this podcast and uh we always like to try new foods new things and this weekend we had an opportunity at our uh party in the park to try some interesting things and so we had a couple food trucks there one was uh june buggies which is a uh uh, like authentic mexican food kind of thing tacos burritos and then some uh some nacho plate thing that they had which was very big Mm. and very good um and then uh we also had a food truck called the wiener shack that has hot dogs but not your typical hot dogs. So talk to me about the uh, food that you guys experienced. All right. So first of all, Ben, this, we didn't put this on a podcast, but I remember having a conversation with you about two weeks ago and you were like, we're having a hot dog thing. And me and Patrick said, no, it's a gourmet hot dog thing. And you laughed. Yeah. You yeah. said there is no such thing there's, as a gourmet hot dog. You said there's dog. no such thing as a gourmet hot dog. I said, how fancy can a hot dog how get? How fancy? Yeah. yeah that's yeah. what your phrase was. How fancy? Yeah. And, and we said, well, we're just going to have to find in out. My, in my mind... A Chicago dog is like the most fancy hot dog I've ever eaten <laughs> yeah. until this weekend. Now, so you had 
a hot dog from the Wiener Shack. I'll say my hot dog from the Wiener Shack, best hot dog I've ever had. And I can agree with that. I've had a lot of hot dogs. One of my favorite restaurants is Portillo's. And they have great hot dogs. Mm-hmm. But Wiener Shack hot dogs were another level that I didn't know a hot dog could go to. It was so good. I I would disagree with the comp- with parts of what you're saying. It was good. I had a hot dog. It was good. I wouldn't say it's the best hot dog I've ever had. It's the most unique hot dog mm. I've ever had. Ben's taste in hot dogs sure. is as good as his taste in movies. Well, that's fair. <laughs> Tell I had I had the hot dog that they called a noble pig, and it was a bacon wrapped hot dog. Which first of all, that's a winner. Yeah, like right exactly. there. That's a winning wiener right there. So, anyways, <laughs> uh, that was good. And then they had had like a barbecue sauce on it that was kind of spicy, and then it had a cheese of, like I don't even know what all was on mm-hmm. it it didn't look like when you got it it didn't look like a hot dog it looked right. like a gourmet something and then I had uh, jalapenos on it so I had some spice and kick it was really really good it, like I enjoyed it I would eat it again I still think that if on their menu if they had a Chicago dog I would probably would have rather had that really yeah I really like Chicago dogs. mine though. mine like it had a like an aioli on there and it was nice and creamy like the creaminess with the hot dog and then it had the it had the jalapeno kick it had a, a pepper it had a pepper on there that had a little bit of a of a punch to it but then it also had the creamy aioli that really uh kind of evened everything yeah. out and it had some cheese and um mine had a it was like a jam it it wasn't like it didn't have jelly on the burger but it had it was like a bacon jam, I think. Yeah, I think it was something in there. Um, I, I really did, I didn't dissect the burger mm-hmm. or the the hot dog, <laughs> um, but the balance of everything that was there, it really did create a different experience. And mine, the one I had was the same thing. It was called the spicy redneck, and it had a chili on it with like red pepper flakes and habaneros peppers across it, and then on top of all of that, they had um, coleslaw. It was like oh, a really creamy coleslaw okay. and feta cheese. Mm. So like what you said, it was like spicy and then it had that like creaminess that kind of like just really like pulled it all together. Yeah. That's just, a fascinating thing. Do rednecks even know what feta cheese is? <laughs> and yet they're putting it on a hot dog called the spicy redneck. That's, <laughs> that's, that's not usually part of their uh, digestive system. I want, I don't know where the redneck part from that hot dog actually think, comes from. I think if you just smell feta cheese, it smells like a redneck. Oh, there you go. There you go. That's what it is. That, yeah. that makes sense. I want the hot dog that smells like a redneck. <laughs> yeah. Man, I had to, I had a redneck after Saturday was over. I'll tell you that. No, sure. same here. Was out. Oh, one of the things that the Wiener Shack that I would absolutely agree with is uh, as being fantastic was their fries. Oh, so they off so they good. had uh, some Parmesan fries and they even had pesto like some Parmesan. pesto Parmesan fries. Yeah, and they had a uh, red like a uh, chili flakes in them as well. So it oh, had a little bit of kick. Them. Oh, I didn't mm-hmm. get any kick on mine. Yeah. It was, it was really good. Well, that's mine. What happened was I ate my hot dog first and my lips were a little bit burning from it. Cause it had some I spice. I think you just ate your hot dog no, over your fries. No, as I <laughs> ate, <laughs> off. I ate the fries, maybe but I ate the fries the whole time and the spice never went away and I couldn't figure it out until I finished. And I saw all these red flakes oh, at okay. the bottom of the fries. Oh, yeah. mm, they may, maybe they had your fries and hot dog right next to it. And they put the, yeah. the red pepper flakes on the hot dog glass and kind of carried over. I don't know. They, one of the things that that, food truck has but wasn't on their menu saturday is they have bacon wrapped tater tots oh how do you I doesn't that, that sound page, yeah. like a wonderful thing yeah it does I, sound very good that sounds like a like a casserole like a like tater tots <laughs> wrapped in bacon with a cheese over the top mm. doesn't that sound marvelous what well, really i have does. that sounds really good i have found so many uh crazy unique food ideas from tiktok 
I don't know. You spend some time on TikTok, right, Patrick? I get the t- TikTok leakage that comes out to YouTube shorts. Oh, okay. I gotcha. So if you spend time on TikTok, you'll probably run across people who come up with crazy ideas like bacon-wrapped tater tots. But I've got a, like a list of them now that I really want to try. Um, this What's is at wh- the top of your list? This is a way off topic, but this one I literally saw last night. They took an ice cream sandwich, cut it into fourths, uh, wrapped each fourth in a... Um, Biscuit, like the the like Pillsbury bit, biscuit yeah. dough stuff, okay. and then they air fried it, and then they put powdered sugar on it, and so what came? It was the croissant, the croissant. Okay, dough. and so what came out was basically a uh, like a puff, like a like a puff pastry with creamy inside, chocolate chocolate and vanilla creamy insides, and a nice doughy um, breaded outside. Hmm. And it looked so good. That sounds wonderful. Yeah, I really want to try it. My first thought was like, what happened to the ice cream? But obviously it melted into it, the it creamy like, inside. It melts, but if you do it fast enough, it, it won't melt completely. Okay. And you could just probably softens. refreeze it if you wanted to, and, but it would soften, yeah. Sure, okay, I gotcha. That sounds good. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I want to try it. Hmm. What did you guys think about June buggies? I thought it was good. I mean, there, I've never had a taco truck that I was disappointed with. Mm-hmm. So... Um, it wasn't the best taco truck I've ever had, but it was really good. Yeah. And the, I only had one taco from there. It was great. Um, I did not have the nachos. I didn't have the, I didn't even know they had nachos. I didn't, I, I never saw them. They had nachos and it came out in like this large styrofoam container. Like it was a lot. I didn't see anyone eat all of their nachos. <laughs> so anyone who had nachos had nachos left over. Okay. It was the same stuff. They had chicken steak and pork that they would put on a taco in a burrito or on nachos. And I had, a chicken, a steak, and a pork taco. I had I tried each of them, okay. and they were all wonderfully delicious. Yeah. That's right. I had one taco of each and, and a, hot a hot dog, dog from the Wiener Shack <laughs> well, and I, paid for it later. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did too. But I had the burrito from June Buggies. And, um, that burrito looked good. It was very good, and there was a sauce in there, and I couldn't ta- like, I couldn't tell what the taste was. It was almost like a, like a citrusy sauce. Mm. Um, like a lime kind of it something? Was, it was kind of like a lime... But it was like creamy too, like a like a, like a mayonnaise. I don't know. It was weird. I was expecting more of a salsa, but no. It was like a it was like, like a sour cream based yeah. lime yeah. combo. Yeah, it was good. It was really good. Hmm. Hmm. That sounds good. Yeah. You also had the mushroom hot dog. I did. The yeah. The, oh yeah. The shiitake mushroom yep. and Gruyere That's cheese. What I almost got. Yeah. I it, it. I don't think it was as good as the spicy redneck. Hmm. Um, it was good. Um, How long did that? <laughs> food stay in your body Patrick, uh, for the rest of the day all those wonderful things you ate we'll avoid that conversation for the people that get a little woozy but um I'll, i will say that it didn't all stay within my body you, cavity for all you ate afternoon. too much and it was too hot and i drank like 16 ounces of water <laughs> the whole day so i was miserable um and then i felt really good immediately following didn't quite make you home D- didn't quite make it home did you no not quite yeah i'd pull <laughs> over but you know it was still a great day and had a lot of fun and it was, good food. it was funny leanne was in the car with me when we were headed home and i pulled over whatever did that business and i came back into the car and i was just smiling i was all <laughs> grinning ear to ear i was like i feel so much better and and i was like do you have any gum <laughs> nice yeah that's good yeah. All in all, the food at Party in Park was pretty fantastic. Party in the Park in general was pretty fantastic. It was yeah. a lot of fun. Heat aside, it was really hot outside, but it was a great event. 
Um, food was fantastic. The we had the the balloon guys, the face painter, bounce house, splash pad. Um, I was a it was a blast. Yeah, I I'm a so time. glad I got to go and, and participate in that. Yep. I think it was a great hit, and we're looking to make that a yearly deal, uh, aiming at the fourth Saturday of August every year. So. Uh, be on the lookout for that next year as we uh, draw closer to those dates. Uh, In fact, if you did miss Party in the Park this year, go ahead and go to Party in the Park on Facebook. Just type in Party in the Park. Find the North Liberty. It might be called NL Party in the Park. I don't, I'm not, I don't remember off the top of my head. But go ahead and find that Facebook page and like it now. That way, whenever we start putting information out in a, next year about it, go ahead. We'll You'll already have that information. So go ahead and like it now so you'll be on top of the information we'll put, when it comes We'll put out. that link in the description. Yep. Uh, we've got some more stuff to talk about uh, concerning partying the park and, and some, some deeper conversation on that here in just a moment. Uh, but before that, we want to remind you of, a, of another mission that we support that we think the world of and have a great respect for and that we see, uh, that we even see here on a daily basis doing great work, and that is our North Liberty Christian School. Uh, North Liberty Christian School is established to provide a safe, Christian-centered environment where students are challenged to achieve academic and spiritual excellence NLCS is an accredited school through the state of Indiana offering Christian education for kindergarten through sixth grade. Again, it's a fantastic uh, fantastic school, great opportunity. Uh, sign up your kids, or if you're looking for just another great organization to support, um, they can use all the support that, that you would be willing to give. Uh, more questions or more interest in that, go to northliberty.cc slash missions uh, to learn more. All right, guys, so one of the themes that we've seen uh, kind of played out here within the life of the church over the summer has been a, a concept that years ago, um, you know, even before I, you know, I've been here for 10 years, so even before I was here, there was a phrase that we used to describe kind of the mindset of what these events are, but there's there's a there's a desire to be externally focused is, is the way in which it's mm -hmm. phrased, externally focused. And so uh, the way that we've seen that play out over the last few months has been specifically through the context of block parties. Well, let's define what externally focused means first. Okay. Uh, externally focused means as a, as a church or as a congregation, your focus as a congregation is not within the four walls of your church, but it is outside the walls. Well, our church has more than four walls, but <laughs> is outside the walls of your church. So community-minded or missions-minded, um, how do we see the kingdom grow in... The community. How do we see it grow overseas or in different in different areas other than in our property or on our campus? Opposed to internally focused, which I don't think that's a bad word by any means. Like there are some things that need to be internally focused, but an, a a church that is more internally focused is designed to grow the people to the best of their ability inside the four walls, which is an important thing to do. Like mm -hmm. both externally and internally. Um, Focus is is an important key aspect of, of what a church is, to grow their own people, um, to to teach and guide their congregation, but also to spend resources and energy outside the campus to build the kingdom of God in number and size, not just in their own in their own four walls. So that's kind of a top level definition of what externally focused is. Yeah, and so you saw us kind of dive in with some of that in the context of block parties and partying the park this summer. We even had the movie night to partner with the, uh, the first Friday food trucks that another group in our community does, um, to just try to do some community event kind of things. Um, but again, all those concepts of trying to engage our community where our community is, as opposed to waiting for them uh, to come here yeah. basically. And so let's, let's go even deeper on that. Okay. So we kind of talked about the difference between externally focused and internally focused. What is the um, 
what is the big benefit of intentionally finding ways to focus on things outside of the church, finding ways to connect with our community? Well, I mean, I think back to the the whole purpose of the whole purpose of the church or the whole um, that I want to say the goal of walking in Christ and being a Christian is to make disciples. Um, we have not been, we are, I mean, of all the commands that Jesus gave, is there an expectation that you show up to church? Yes, there is. But Jesus didn't give the single command, thou shalt be in church every week. Mm-hmm. He did give the command, go and make disciples. Um, that's direct and clear instructions that Jesus gave that we're supposed to be going and building the kingdom of God um, to the best way that, that we can and using the tools that the Holy Spirit has given us to build the kingdom of God. Um, that's why, I mean, Jesus could have easily just taken the Christians up to heaven, up to earth, and called the good. Like, why are we here? Why are we here on this earth if we know that the better life is the one to come? And I think the goal of the church and the goal of Christians here is to help bring more people with us, to help more people come to the fullest understanding of who Christ is, into the salvation, away from eternal punishment, away from uh, separation from God, and into a, an eternal life with God. And if we're not doing that, then we're not really fulfilling our purpose as Christians, as followers of Christ. I think another big aspect of why it's important to be externally focused is if if you asked a, a non-church person what they thought of the church or what, what the church is, I think they have a very a media-developed sense of what the church is from movies or mm-hmm. even just books or TV or anything like that. They have an idea of what it is, and I, and I think being externally focused – like it can really break some of those expectations in a good way. Um, it gives them, us an opportunity to like reach out to the community, to those unchurched people, and really show them that it's not just the four walls. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's a really interesting point because you know sometimes it is, sometimes it's it's media, like you said, it's it's TV shows or movies or something that they've seen about the church before, and it's it's created uh, their understanding of what a church is, but mm-hmm. sometimes it's been minimal experiences or even maybe full experiences, but they've been bad ones. Sure. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's maybe stories that they've heard from other people and their experiences. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, so I think oftentimes, and, 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 and I think you're kind of getting there some Patrick with what you're saying is that sometimes people actually have aversions towards church mm-hmm. that they're actually not interested in, being a part of a church or attending a church or really even respecting a church sure. that there's even a, a negative connotation there. And so how do you see, um, an externally focused, like how, how does externally focused churches kind of break down some of those barriers that exist? Well, like I think you had mentioned already the block parties, like something that we have been doing this summer is, and really that's targeted at just getting to know your neighbors to begin with. Um, I, mm-hmm. I, am not, I may wave to my neighbors here and there, but I don't actually know them. Um, so just finding a way to actually like break down that barrier with a fun activity that we can all get together and do, um, it, it helps us to even just like get to know people. Well, it's building relationships. Yeah, exactly. Like if you look in, take the story of Zacchaeus, Jesus didn't find Zacchaeus in the tree. He said, Hey Zacchaeus, uh, you want, you want to go get baptized now? Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, Hey, you're in a tree. Hi, you want to go get baptized? He didn't do that. He said, hey, Zacchaeus, let's go have a meal together. 
Mm-hmm. Let's build this relationship. Let's get to know one another. And because of that approach, Zacchaeus ended up turning his life around. Mm-hmm. We see that story in scripture where Jesus, Jesus didn't just shout something from the rooftops and expect people to come along with him. He built relationships. And that's what block parties are really about. It's about building relationships. And it's about finding ways to meet, to know your neighbors. Because I read a really interesting article this morning, actually. And it was that Gen Z does not like evangelism. They don't like the word evangelism. They don't like traditional ideas of evangelism. And they, like my first instinct with that was, oh, dang it. Like, mm-hmm. we messed up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was my first reaction. Digging farther into the article, this was from access.org is where I read this. Um, it was on their, their newsletter uh, that they put out every week or two weeks or something. Um, but what, what they ended up finding out, and this I think it was actually a study from Barna that figured this out, was Gen Z does not like evangelism. It's not that they don't like inviting people to church and into conversations. It's that they don't want to go on a street corner and shout out, mm. if you don't come to church, you're going to hell. Sure. Because they have figured it out. They have figured out that people are not interested mm. in being... Uh, dragged into heaven. Right, <laughs> they exactly, are interested yeah. in relationships that are going to make a much more lasting and important impact in someone's life than just uh, getting on TikTok and screaming, you should go to church because it's good for you, which no one's ever been saved by that probably. I mean, maybe someone, mm-hmm. but <laughs> but probably not. Right. I think a lot of this, and if we even go back to a few years ago when we first started having the conversation about block parties, which... Um, was even part of the conversation with Party in the Park. Both of those things kind of were linked together mm-hmm. in, in our vision casting for those events and, and really why we were doing them. A lot of the influence that I had at that time within those conversations came from a book called Gorilla Lovers. Um, and that word gorilla is not like the animal, but it's <laughs> like the warfare, like gorilla warfare. Right. It's it's hiding in the trees and, and doing stuff. And it's written by a guy named Vince Antonucci, who's a preacher. He was out in Las Vegas for a while. I think that's where he's at still, but I don't. I'm second guessing that in this exact moment. Um, but a really cool guy, uh, didn't grow up as a Christian, accepted Jesus later in, uh, you know, as he was a young adult and, and then is leading a church and, and he writes this book about how, um, the church looks best when they're loving the world around them and kind of that guerrilla warfare style in the unexpected ways and the surprising ways and the, and the ways in which you can just show up with Jesus and, and if you look at Jesus' life, that is what he did. You know, you're talking about Zacchaeus. Well, yeah, he went and had dinner with Zacchaeus, and they got to know each other. But he also was like, hey, Zacchaeus, invite all your friends. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just about Zacchaeus. It was about everybody. And it was, it was hey, we're going to have a party over here at, at Zacchaeus's house. And by the way, Jesus, you guys should meet this guy Jesus while you're here. And he talks, like, within that book about Jesus parties, about how Jesus enjoyed parties. Jesus enjoyed being around people. Jesus enjoyed loud noise, loud music. He would have enjoyed the larger crowds. He enjoyed being around people. He enjoyed being the life of a party. He also enjoyed, I think, kind of working the scenes from behind and just talking and getting to know people. He enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And that as Christians, as we begin, we, we don't have to have a church service in our backyard, but we can have a party with the intention of trying to introduce Jesus to our community. Mm-hmm. And that's something that Jesus it's not that we can say that's what he would do. It is what he actually did. He he mm-hmm. in, he infiltrated the community he was in. Uh, we see Jesus in the temple a lot, but the majority of his ministry doesn't happen in a temple. It happens around tables. It happens in people's homes. It happens just walking along the road, just living with people. Mm-hmm. And and that's what we see from him. And I think that's a good starting point for a lot of Christians. And I think, it was, especially in that context of that word evangelism, oftentimes we're very 
dis, uh, discouraged or, or, or maybe intimidated mm-hmm. by that word because it sounds like I have to know all the right answers. Right. I have to be very educated to be mm-hmm. able to convince somebody that they should believe in Jesus. Um, I found that people will listen to you much better if there's a relationship. Yeah, people I, have a, It takes a lot to convince someone if they don't know you. Mm-hmm. But if they know you, if they build a relationship, if they know that you care about them, that you love them, that you'll that you'll help them move, that you'll help them get through something difficult or 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 do something simple, they're probably much more likely to listen to what you believe when that relationship has been built. I have, I rarely use the word evangelism from the stage or when talking to students because it is a scary word. I won't. I'll still talk about it, but I'll use words like discipleship mm-hmm. and relationship. Um, those are words that are easier to understand and words that are more focused on on being able to trust one another and have conversations with one another and not so much of I'm doing whatever I can just to drag you into the church front doors and then my job is done because that's not what mm-hmm. we've been called to do by any stretch of the imagination. And again, that philosophy is I'm trying to get you into the church doors. Right. And that's the opposite of what we're talking about. Right. What we're talking about is how can I get the church to where you already are? Mm-hmm. What would it be like to sit down and hang out one night in my backyard around a campfire and at the end of it find out, holy cow, we had church tonight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't more, even know I was yeah. at church. You <laughs> know what I mean? church can happen around a fire. Yeah. And sometimes it can, especially when you, if you come into a church, but your walls are up, if, you're, if your shields are up and you don't want to be there. You're skeptical. You're not sure about it, whatever else. Yeah. Yeah. But if someone you trust is having a conversation with you, then that's a whole different conversation. Have a deeply spiritual interaction. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. All of that to also say that there is incredible benefit of being internally focused yeah. as a church as absolutely. well. Absolutely. And so what does that look like? Internally focused means training people or encouraging one another. I mean, there's all kinds of scriptures in the Bible about being brothers, like Christian brotherhood and um People within the church, they did not neglect meeting with one another to build each other up. Iron sharpens iron. All of this about encouraging one another, your brothers inside the church, to be the best that they can be, to love each other, to love Jesus. Um, and as part of that, you're also setting another example. You're being that city on the hill of people saying, hey, this group of people, they look di- they're built different. <laughs> mm-hmm. What's going on over here? Why are they loving each other so much? Why are they so happy? Because they've got that Christian community that is encouraging one another that you want to be a part of. When you're internally focused, then you are building a family of Christians who are there for one another, with one another, supporting one another in everything that they can do. Community groups are an internally focused uh, prospect um, because you have a small group of people who are there for one another no matter what. Um, that's kind of what community groups are designed to be. And that's you're not necessarily inviting your neighbors or your friends to community groups because that's not their place necessarily. You can, and sometimes, sometimes people do. Mm-hmm. That's not the goal of what the community group is, is to build up one another. No, I think that's a great explanation. And just as just as we can, we can say and we can say that we need to be internally focused as a church in the sense of we need to care for one another and care for the needs within the body. We also need to be externally focused in the sense that we need to not see ourselves as the end all be all, mm-hmm. but we need to think outside of that. There's also dangers as, of, of being completely focused in either of those directions. Mm-hmm. So what do you think the danger is for a church that is completely internally focused? Uh, well, you'll get old and then your internally focused people will all um, cease to exist on this planet. <laughs> and then your church will die. Because if you're not reaching new families and new people, 
then, and you see this all the time. Like this is something that really happens with churches in North or South Bend area where churches just age out because they're not building trust with the community. They're not getting new people in to the church and into that, that community uh, or into their congregation. And then the church eventually closes its doors because they only focused on themselves and did not focus on the bigger picture. And what do you think the danger is of a church that's completely focused ex- externally? I think then you lose out on that, that on that relationships within the building or, or as like a common goal. Um, you kind of, it, it, it almost turns into then like we're doing this and this group's doing this and this group's doing this. And, and like, there's no central connection in inside of that. It kind of, it's uh, like a community organization, right? Yeah. Well, it's also, what do you, what do you, if you're externally focused and not internally focused, what are you bringing people to? Right. Like, mm-hmm. Hey, you yeah. should come to church. Why? There's nothing there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. don't even care for mm-hmm. your own people. <laughs> or, or really, or, or I mean, it's, and it's bigger than just bringing them to church. It's bringing them to Jesus. Right. Like if, if, if we're only going to focus on what is external, well, then it means that ultimately we're not actually trying to bring people to a relationship with Jesus. We're right. trying to just care for them. And, and if you're not willing to which, actually do that, if you're not willing to actually help, train people and help people understand their relationship with Jesus and grow in that relationship with Jesus, then you're calling them to, I mean, they're going to fail because people need help. Uh, That's why churches exist to help guide people towards that relationship and grow one another. And if you're not doing that internally, then you're going to externally, if you're going to be externally focused, you're not bringing them into any successful pathway for them to, to find Jesus in that. I think the, the big idea here is, and and Preston mentioned this earlier as we were talking about it, but the reality is the world that we live in, the culture we live in right now, there are plenty off-ramps for people from church. There's plenty of reasons why people don't want to go to church, um, whether that's a trust issue, whether that's a trauma, whether that's a, a misguided understanding of what the church is, um, or maybe it's just a disinterest. Uh, we, we talked about um, even like science and, and how some people will, will say that they've kind of lost interest in church because of they don't believe that it matches with what they understand in science or there's just so many different ways that the church has gotten things wrong in the past and continues to get them wrong. Even now, uh, there are so many ways in which the church has abused or, or participated in abuses. There's so many ways in which uh, people have good reasons and good excuses to not be interested in being any part of a church. That's just the harsh reality of it but a church that is externally focused and or is willing to allow themselves to be externally focused, not ignoring internal needs, but, but being willing to think outside of themselves and try to figure out how to connect with their community. I think their role is to try to build those on ramps that it's not just about the exit ramps, but that they're working to try to find ways to build connections. Uh, one of the best things that I've heard all summer from, from our block parties, from party in the park. Uh, but I think we heard it at party at the park. We've heard this at our block parties as well is people say, wow, I can't believe a church would do this. Mm-hmm. Like, like breaking expectations of what our community has of what a church is supposed to be is so significant because if, if we can have parties and have fun and that breaks expectations, then what other expectations can we break? Like mm-hmm. that creates a curiosity that creates an openness to church in a way that didn't exist previously. I think the question that we have to answer is the the goal of this podcast, the other six podcasts is how do we, uh, how do we live like Jesus or how do we live like Christians the other six days of the week? 
Now, it's easy for us three uh, as employees at a church to have conversations top level of what can our church do to be externally or internally mm-hmm. focused. But ultimately, uh, this podcast is going to be on Spotify and uh, Anchor and Apple Podcasts and all those things, not to be listened to by our church staff, but by our community and our congregants. Um, so the question we have to answer is, so what do we do? Like, what? how does, how does the individual who attends church or attends North Liberty Church of Christ or any church, how does that individual balance this internally, externally focused? What what can they practically do the other six days of the week to put this into practice? One of the best um, illustrations I've ever heard on this, I, I got probably about 14 or 15 years ago at a training for, for something within ministry, and a guy talked about the Your Turn Challenge, and he walked through the whole Bible and just character after character and how God called them and said, it's your turn. It's your turn to to lead. It's your turn to lead people towards God. It's your turn to to help others get to know who God is better this whole way until he gets to Jesus, right? And then Jesus eventually comes to the cross. He raises from the grave, and then he looks at the disciples and he says, well, now it's your turn, and he, and he leaves. Like He very literally leaves and says, go do it. And for generations, followers of Jesus have continued to pour out this challenge of it. Well, now it's your turn. Like, like I've done my, I've done my part. I've communicated onto you. It's your turn. And very literally what happens for us is that the, when we accept Jesus, we're also accepting this your turn challenge mm-hmm. and we don't really ever get to pass it off. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's not like you do it once and okay, well now it's not my turn. It's their turn. But what it is, is, is the second, you know, you know, you, you think about Jesus and what he did and you think about the act of baptism and how it is this moment of of salvation it is a deeply personal thing. When you get into the waters, when you're baptized, when you accept Jesus as your savior, that's a decision that you make for you. It's very singular. It doesn't exist for anybody else around you. No one else gets the benefit of that decision. It's yours. That's your decision. It's for you. Very individual, very focused. And we say this all the time, you know, that, that even if you were the only person in the world that Jesus would have died on the cross for you. Okay. And so it's a deeply intimate, personal thing between you and Jesus. Very powerful. But the second you come out of the water, it's not about you anymore. Like it was all about you to get you to that point. But the second you come out of the water, it's not about you anymore. It's, it's the church exists for you in that insider, uh, you know, uh, internally focused mm-hmm. concept in the sense to build you up and support you, but it's to support you to do the work because now it's your turn. It's your turn to reach out and find those people who haven't made that decision. It's your it's that responsibility that we've all been given this challenge, that we all have this expectation that part of following Jesus means finding people who aren't following Jesus mm-hmm. and, and caring for them, that connecting with them, living with them in a way that would draw them towards Jesus, that, that how we function in every single day of how we live and how we interact with who knows who that we're functioning in a way that's a good representation of who Jesus is because we're, it's our turn. It's our turn to be the representative. It's our, it's our turn to bring them in. And, and so for the, for the random person listening to this, to the person who's a part of our church but, um, but isn't necessarily in leadership, these might sound like a, a philosophical conversation on the difference between externally focused or internally focused and what we ought to be. But I think there, it starts with a realization and understanding that it's your turn, mm-hmm. that, that if you've made a decision, a decision for Jesus, it's now your turn to do something with that, to live in such a way that you're drawing other people towards Christ. It's why Paul says stuff like, I've become all things to all men, because in whatever context, whatever situation he's in, he's going to live in such a way that he can help draw that group mm-hmm. of people, that person, 
that situation to, to, to give them an example of Jesus and give them an opportunity of something to be drawn towards, mm-hmm. uh, breaking those expectations, uh, 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 living in, in a way that brings joy and happiness to other people's lives, uh, being that city on a hill, like you said, Preston. Uh, but that's not a, that's not a collective thing that the church does. That's an individual thing that everybody within the church does mm-hmm. that we all recognize that we all have this part to play. Um, and that's a that's a powerful thing. And really, honestly, as as a leader of a church for for fifteen years now in different contexts, different situations, the greatest successes I've seen in growth in the context of church work have always had to do with the individuals and their commitment to participating, not the organization of the leader, not the desire of the leader, not the ability to teach of the leader or the ability to preach or the, or any of that kind of stuff. That, that that's never been what growth or maturity has ever been about. It's always been about the willingness of the participants. It's the willingness of the people to actually buy in and, and to become serious about Jesus within their mm-hmm. own personal lives. Yeah, and just to add on to that, practically speaking, we all have a role to be externally focused in our faith, to um, build those relationships, to break down walls, um, and to to reach people to make disciples. God, again, God has called not the church. God didn't call the church to make disciples. He called people. Yeah, I mean, that's the you, that's the your turn thing. He called people um, to make, go and make disciples. And, and we have to take up that responsibility. The church has a responsibility with that. The church has resources and, and our prayer and our goal as leaders of, of North Liberty Church is to make that happen and to build disciples with the, to the best way that we can with the, the resources that we have. But we also, we have to be a people, uh, the people in our church have to be people who make disciples, who make that a focus in their life um, to reach people, to reach their neighbors, to reach their community, to show the love of Jesus wherever they go. So what does it look like for an individual to be externally focused? I think you could probably sum it up with the most cliche Christian word that you ever could, but love one another. Mm-hmm. Love the people that are in your neighborhood, love the people in your workplace, love the people that you don't want to love. <laughs> love the well, people. It's, a, it's a golden rule, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's do unto those what you wish they would do to you or do for you or what, however you mm-hmm. want to say that. And I love, I, that's another thing, a teaching I heard a few years ago from a guy named Mark Moore who said that oftentimes we settle for the silver rule, which is don't do to other people what mm-hmm. you don't want done to you. That's oftentimes how we look at the golden rule. And the reality is, so like we look at our neighbors like, oh, well, we wouldn't like it if they parked in our grass, so we won't park in their grass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then somehow you think you're being a good neighbor. That's not what Jesus called you to be. He called you to do for them. Mm-hmm. Do you wish that someone would just show up on your porch with an apple pie? Oh man, that'd be great. <laughs> I think you should show up on someone's porch with an apple pie. Like, I mean, that's what it means. It's mm-hmm. like, man, I really wish that someone would just mow my grass for me. Maybe you should just mow someone's <laughs> grass. You know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah, that's sure. that's the golden rule. That's what Jesus yeah. has called us to, and, and to and love in, one another. And in doing so, you're building relationships, you're building trust, and um, and that can lead to a a win for the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. that's what externally focus is all about. All right, Patrick, you got a fun game for us today. What have you What have you I got do. planned? So we've realized that I have a little bit of knowledge on both of your sides of the hobbies. Um, and so I was going to do just a random trivia, but then I decided like to drop it down into one category, which is limited to fast food trivia. I'm going to win. You're going to win. I'm going to win. You think so? Oh yeah. These are, these are pretty 
I thought were pretty off the wall <laughs> trivia uh, aspects of it. So let me pull it up. So I, some of these are. I hope something that's about Whataburger. I might just guess oh. Whataburger on every single answer. Oh man, see, th- there were a few with like Whataburger and like the In and Out and uh-huh. like the the that's like a big deal in Texas right now. Yeah, well, because they're starting to get In and Out. Yeah, In and Out's in Texas, and and it's like fighting. Like there's people <laughs> in Texas who are mad about we're it. We're gonna have a Texas Civil but, War. But I just read in the news Patrick Mahomes who's from Texas uh-huh. and is a star quarterback for the Kansas city chiefs has just opened up a Whataburger franchise in Kansas city. Really? And I'm just like, but these are the I'm, things I need to happen. Like I know I don't live in Kansas city, Missouri, but if there's ever going to be a Whataburger where I live, it has to start somewhere. Like it's yeah, got to keep yeah. spreading. I'm all for Whataburger coming up here in and out's the thing I'm more excited for. Listen, I've been <laughs> on, uh, <laughs> I have, I'm not a healthy guy. <laughs> if, you, if you look at me, that's why I chose fast food yeah, for myself. Me, <laughs> it's a trivia. The knowledge. last thing that'll come to mind is that's a healthy looking guy. <laughs> yeah. I've been on a weight loss journey for the last 20 years of my life. Yeah. 28 yeah. years of my life. Yeah. The thing that will cause me to throw in the towel is if in and out shows up in South Bend. Is in and out 24 hours a day? I don't know. Whataburger is. If it and was, I'd the be there 23 thing. of them. You know how like sometimes at 1030 at night, you're way hungrier than you should be. Yeah. If there was a Whataburger right down the street from you, you would never say no to getting a double <laughs> cheeseburger at 1030 at night. It's so dangerous. Taco I, Bell tried to get on that yeah. path with the fourth meal, like advertising that they did. Taco Bell usually, and in some places it is open 24 hours. Where I where I was in an apartment in Web City when I, me and Sarah first got married, there was literally a Taco Bell in our backyard. Never went. It really? was yeah. weird. Like I thought I was going to mm. just go there like, what I, what I love about Whataburger is that they are open 24 hours and they have a set window of when breakfast is available, but they serve everything else all 24 hours. Okay. So at eight o'clock in the morning, I'm not a big breakfast guy. A Whataburger double cheeseburger <laughs> for breakfast is maybe the best breakfast I've ever had in my life. I, I accidentally so ordered a Whopper from Burger King at uh, like 9.50 a.m. one time <laughs> because I didn't realize I had traveled into Central Time. Oh, and yep. it was like, I, I went down to Central Time in Valpo and it was almost 11, which is normal. Like you can eat lunch at 11, mm-hmm. that's acceptable. So I was like, ah, I'll just go to Burger King and order a Whopper. And I did. And then I realized I just ordered a Whopper at 9.45 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt awful. <laughs> did they actually make it for you? They did. Well, that's uh, But it, like, it took them longer than I thought it was going to take to make a Whopper. And I was like, what's taking them a while? Yeah, I had to pull out the freezer. Yeah, 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 oh, the it's because it. it's not Whopper time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whopper Time was coincidentally the name of uh, MC Hammer's original song oh. that was later changed to Hammer Time. I remember that. I remember <laughs> that. Yeah. yeah, that's not what our trivia is about today. Oh, uh, that one did not make the. I've already the list. said everything I know, so this is bad news. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so most of these are multiple choice, but some of them are. Uh, we're going to do prices right versions. Um, so this one is first. Um, what fast food restaurant is credited with introducing the first modern day drive-through window? Oh, a McDonald's. B, Wendy's, C, Burger King, or D, Jack in the Box? Man, that is a good question. Because most restaurants, this isn't part of the trivia, but most restaurants started as like car hops. And then mm-hmm. as the as times went on, people were in a hurry. A, it wasn't a drive-through. It yeah, was it was a pull, drive, pull up and like someone came out and took your yeah. order. I'm going to guess... 
Man, what was the third option? The third option was Burger King. Wendy's. See? So McDonald's, McDonald's Wendy's, Wendy's, Burger King, or I'm Jack guess, in the Box. I'm going to guess Burger King. Burger King? What you I'm going to go McDonald's. I, I, think, I think it's McDonald's. I think it's not McDonald's, and here's my reasoning. I think that McDonald's was is around long enough that they did the the car hop thing, mm-hmm. and then I think I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that Burger King came along and from the get go they decided to do a drive through, do it different, and then sure. everyone else decided, sure oh, that's a great too. idea. So that I think I think a restaurant started with a drive through. That was their their thing they started with, and I'm guessing Burger King. So you're really close with your reasoning, but it's actually Wendy's. Dang, that was my second guess. So Wendy's, um, in their second location, decided to do a drive up window and that was where it started and it started in 1970 which i thought was a lot later than yeah, i would have expected that does sound later later. Than I expected. but i mean in the 60s what do you do like what people didn't do anything besides go to the <laughs> hop like to, the, the car hop and yeah, then to the drive-in right? theater and that, you're like, such a millennial that's what i did right <laughs> like yeah. what else is there you're, you're right the, the the people in the 60s really had nothing to do except sit at restaurants and <laughs> so they, they had no entertainment yeah. no value yeah people used to go to places just to drink soda so i mean <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. now you make a good point i I'm going to share this with our uh, seniors group sometimes. So <laughs> All right. Number two. So how much money did the owners of the very first pizza hut take out on a loan to start their business in 1958? Mm. I've got a $600 B $1,000 C $1,200 or D $2,000. So a lot less than I would have expected any of those, even being that far back. I, uh, the f- number that came to my mind was twenty five hundred dollars, and that was yeah. higher than all those. Yeah. I'm, I'll I'll go first on this one. I'm going to say C twelve hundred. Twelve hundred. I'm going to go with B one thousand. B one thousand. It was actually a six hundred dollars to start the first Pizza Hut. Damn. They loaned the money from their mom. Oh wow! They got their money from their mom. It was a set of uh, brothers that started the first Pizza Hut. Now we know yeah. all the good ideas that haven't happened is my mom's fault. Can I give I, you a, can I give you a hot take on Pizza Hut? Sure. They need to spend six hundred dollars to rebrand their their design because it's outdated at this yeah. point. Have you been on the Pizza Hut's website recently? I don't know. No one it, out Pizza Hut it though. It feels so ugly. It's like it's outdated. <laughs> it feels so ugly. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel actually about their pizza. It, yeah. <laughs> it looks like they're That's trying. Like the last choice. It looks like they're trying to be classic, like throwback. Like look at this cool throwback design, but it it, it didn't work as a throwback design. It just looks like they haven't updated their website. <laughs> in, in they threw years. back, but it, by if you keep by it just long not enough, it looks it. like a throwback. Yeah. So yeah. they're almost maybe they're almost there. Maybe maybe they're like three years maybe. away from it actually being really cool. <laughs> I think $600 could get them there. <laughs> <laughs> and to me, it's crazy that, you know, one of the most, I mean, we're sitting here like talking smack on Pizza Hut, but it's one of the most, you know, known pizza restaurants in the world. Mm-hmm. And it was started with $600. Yeah. I think that is insane. What could I do with $600? You can buy a PS5. I, well, I was going <laughs> to say I could buy some pizza. <laughs> yeah, you can buy a lot of pizza. All right. Yeah. This next one is. You're both going to get it. This is like a throwaway question, but the popular food chain created an advertising campaign in 1997 featuring a talking chihuahua. Oh. I'm sure you can both guess it without even um, the options. Yeah, let's talk about the options. Yeah. Yep. Okay. You'll care about Taco Bell. Okay. Yep. You guys both got it. The other ones I tried to make is tricky by saying like Del Taco or Chipotle, but no. I f- yeah, no. we were, we were all around there in 1997. So we all saw it live. Number yeah, four. That was four, but. <laughs> but you still remember. But that was it. a big campaign that stuck around for a long time. It really yeah. did. It did. In November, on November 12th of 1987, China opened its very first fast food restaurant chain. Um, Sorry, what year? This was in 1987. It was boasting an 1,100 square foot building and was the second largest at the time for the entire franchise in the world. It's either A, McDonald's, 
B, Subway, C, Panda Express, or D, KFC? Oh. In China in 1987. I feel uh, good about this one. I feel good about this one, too. My age, I think, is helping. I'm going KFC. Subway. You're going Subway, and you're going KFC. I'm going KFC. Subways right. used to be tiny. Like, I know they're still small. I'm thinking 1,100 square foot. That seems small. 1,100, 11,000. 1,100 square That's foot. That's a small little place. That's, like, smaller than my house. Yeah. At the time, this was the second largest location in the world for this particular chain. That sounds like a Subway It thing. was DKFC. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I felt so good about that. I, I thought Subway would have been a good guess because they could at least say it's healthy. I yeah. thought I thought the small size, I was leaning towards Subway, but I know that KFC is huge in uh, different parts of Asia. It's specifically sp- like different times of year. It's like 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 it's KFC, Christmas dinner. KFC is the Christmas meal in Japan. Yep. And so you said China, and I I just thought KFC was probably it, it had to have been around for a while, right? For it to be as big as it is yep. in in different parts of Asia. So that's why I said KFC. Yep. Right. How ironic it is it that KFC isn't a Christmas meal in Kentucky, <laughs> but it would be in Japan. It is in Japan. It's huge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. According to Dave Pickens, who was the president of Olive Garden in 2010, and this is when he um, said this, roughly how many breadsticks are served across the company per day? Wow. Per uh, day. This is one of the closest without going over Price is Right's oh, versions. How so many breadsticks per day? For the entire company of Olive Garden. Oof. This is also from 2010. So I don't know if they were more popular then than they are now. But I think they were then. Yeah. 2010. 2010 was a big good time for Olive Garden. I'm saying, I'm saying, oh, dang, I'm saying 250,000. 250,000 per day across the entire company. This is one thing I, Leanne hates it because every time we sit down in Olive Garden, the first, like the waiter come up, what do you want to drink? Uh, I'm always like, before we get to that, I want to, I want your opinion on how many breadsticks you guys sell a day. And they never know. They can never even come up with a good guess. But you said 250000 a day? That's I'm, I'm going to say $1 million as a conservative guess. I, they're in the millions. Yeah. Okay. I so think. according to Dave Pickens, who was the president in 2010, $9 million breadsticks oh across the company per day. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Side That's, note, have you ever seen the, the video of Jimmy Fallon and Post Malone going to Olive Garden? <laughs> no. That's a good I have, time. I have seen I've that. Seen you should that. watch it. I don't know that everyone who listens to church podcasts would appreciate that video <laughs> and that, that, that comedy gold. But, <laughs> but if you're the kind of person who likes to laugh at things and listen to us, that might be a good one. My, my actual thinking was that it was going to be closer to 1 million, but I really didn't want to go over. And I thought 1 million might mm, be a little high. Sure. So I was going, I was hoping that you would go a little bit high. Sure. I was I was thinking of millions. I, I yeah. thought yours was so low. My best like, oh, my best guess was I was trying to think. I don't know how many. I don't have any idea how many Olive Gardens are in right, the yeah. company mm-hmm. because I don't like Olive Garden. But my guess was if every restaurant sold between eight hundred and a thousand breadsticks per day, which seemed like sure. an okay number, yep. and there's maybe three hundred in the nation, that was my right my thought. Sure. You know how white moms in the South Bend area like hacienda. Yeah. That's what it used to be like in 2010 with Olive Garden really? worldwide. Yeah. <laughs> so See, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking like Olive girls Garden night, was popping at Girls some night, time. Olive Garden. Yeah. Girls went to Olive Garden, I, I, get yeah. the breadsticks, get the salad. But how many, I don't like, think how many people walk into a Olive Garden in a day? It can't be more than a thousand, right? Oh, dude. In one, oh. in 2010, one they franchise? Were, this they were doing yeah. business. You're thinking like today terms, You're, I think, they were because doing, I don't think, big. I bet it's not nearly 9 million today. 
Like in 2010, in, they had the advertising campaign of when you're here, your family. Yeah. And they had a big family. There's a lot <laughs> of people. There's a lot of people there. All right. All right. So McDonald's, you guys know them <laughs> as the. So we're one and one right now. Yeah. One and. Well, two to two if you two count the Taco Bell yeah, question. Yeah, okay. count that one. Yeah. So uh, not only does McDonald's serve millions of burgers a day, but they are also the front runner for this other business as well. Uh, a, recycled plastics. B, mobile app development. C, the largest potato farm. Or D, toy distribution. I'm going toy distribution. Potato D. farm. You're saying the biggest potato farm? Yeah. Preston's got it. They are the largest toy distribution uh, company as well as yeah. um, leading in burger sales. Yeah, they include five cent toys with every kid's meal. They average 602,000 Happy Meals a day. Yeah, I, I used to want to go to McDonald's for the toy. Well, I can remember that too. Yeah, and by used to, I mean like three weeks me ago. I mean, I guess if you think about it, it that counts, time, I guess that yeah. makes a lot of sense yeah. that they're distributing toys. Yep. <laughs> Fast food has a number of memorable lawsuits, such as the infamous hot coffee lawsuit, which actually was a, an, an actual lawsuit that should oh, yeah. have happened and, and, and changed the way that coffee is served across the country. But which of these lawsuits has Subway had to settle? Oh, I know this one. A? I know, I know this one. Before you even say them. <laughs> okay. If I get this right, do I get two points? Um. Sure. Well, you know what? I'll, I'll see if Ben has a rebuttal. I'll, yeah, you give yours, right. and I've, I've already got mine. My guess is this is the bread thing. With uh, th This happened in the last couple of years with them not being allowed to call it bread in, uh, I want to say it's Ireland, that they were not allowed to call their bread bread because it had too much sugar in it, so they had to start calling them buns. This yeah. is my guess. That, okay. Oh, I was going to guess that... That their footlongs were actually 11 oh, inches. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one too. So, I remember that one. So I'm going to read the. Oh, read I know the these. other one. There's no tuna in their tuna. <laughs> Do you have another one, Ben? I see you're no tuna. <laughs> and I raise you that their stores have never been below ground. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a great guess. All right. So, so far. I did not have Preston's first example, but that one actually was one. So here are the answers. No definable tuna DNA is found in their tuna salad. <laughs> B, more than 51% of their chicken patties are fillers, leading to them having to change the ingredients to legally call them chicken patties. C, the foot, foot long sandwiches were actually only 11 inches long. Or D, all of the above. First of all, my 11-inch thing that I just came was completely made up. And the fact that that was one of the options makes me feel so very good about myself. I'm, I'm going D on this I'm one. going D on this one as well. It is D, all of the above. Yeah. And I'll give Preston half of a point for being yes. able to call out two, uh, two actual lawsuits that have um, defined them. That was, that was impressive on both of our parts. It was. I'm so proud of both of <laughs> us. Hey, that here's the real question. Why do people still eat at Subway? <laughs> <laughs> that's rough to say when that's the only chain in North Liberty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And not a sponsor. <laughs> Walking through the mall. <laughs> he said not a sponsor. <laughs> Walking through the mall, you can't help but smell the smell of cinnamon rolls cooking at the Cinnabon. What strategy do these this company use to entice customers to try going to their booth? A, they bake empty cookie sheets that are coated with the cinnamon sugar to produce the scent. They are contractually allowed to place artificial scents throughout the mall, such as like candles or the time spray things. C, they pay employees to simply just walk around the mall wearing the Cinnabon apron. Or D, they allow sales of Cinnabon gift cards at every store in the mall, but you just have to ask. 
There's a lot of words in those answers. There is. A, I don't, I don't they think bake it's D. cookie sheets. I'm going to go with I feel a. like every time I've walked through a mall, I have seen someone walking around with the with the apron on, yeah. but I figure they're just on break. I'm I don't think that that's like a... Because I don't right. walk through malls. Sure. I, I work at a mall that doesn't have a Cinnabon, so it doesn't help. <laughs> I had to look this up too. Mm. I'm going A. You're going A, uh, that they I'll bake go, empty cookie B sheets? I'll different. All right. So it is A. Yes. They bake cookie sheets literally with just the sugar and cinnamon on them to produce the smell. I've heard, of people, I've heard of people baking different things like that to, to do in their house. So, for example, one of the things I saw was orange, uh, orange peels. They'll get orange peels after they have oranges, and they'll put them in a frying pan with some cinnamon and water. And they'll just boil water. I think I th- I'm I'm probably getting this wrong, but I think you're just boiling basically orange peels and cinnamon, and it creates a an aroma that lasts throughout your entire house. Christine does that in the fall and the the winter yeah. time, and it's just to make a smell. And mm-hmm. so I would I could definitely see the biggest the biggest reason why anyone would go to a cinnamon store is not seeing a brown apron, mm-hmm. uh, but is walking through and going, "Ooh, that smells yeah. good." All right, we'll do one more, and if you can guess this number. A lot more closely than Preston. I'll just give <laughs> Ben the entire win. Exactly. <laughs> you, you get a lot closer. What's a lot? <laughs> I'll, guess, I don't know. I'll guess first. I'll too, judge. To be fair. So this is about the largest hamburger that was ever made. It was in 2012, so that record may be broken. But it was made by the Black Bear Casino and Resort in Carlton, Minnesota, um, and this was in 2012. But how heavy was this burger? Closest without going over in pounds. Say it again, Minnesota. It was in Minnesota. They eat a lot of food in Minnesota. They, yeah, they like big burgers. This is the world's largest burger. 45 pounds. 45 pounds? Well, since Ben has to get a lot closer to win, I'm going to say 44 and a half pounds. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, my real answer is going to be 76 pounds. 76 pounds. You guys are way off, both of you. It was over a ton. It oh was my 2,014 gosh. pounds, this burger. I don't know how they did that, well, but you were not was a lot of burger. I wouldn't say that's a lot closer. So I'm going to give Preston that win. It wasn't close. You were a little above. So yeah, <laughs> Preston wins uh, the fast food challenge trivia. What did they do with, there's no way they ate it all. Yeah, I have no idea. What a waste of, of meat. I mean, that happens frequently. How many cows like. died in vain? How much does, how much meat can you get? How much ground beef can you get from a single cow? Gosh, they probably were just throwing whole cows into the grinder at that point. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> And with bones that. and all. Well, no one was eating this burger. It's they, so big. They put all right. the bony Here's parts my in thing. the middle of the burger. If you had a hamburger that weighed that much, there's no way it was cooked well or cooked no. evenly. No. There, it wouldn't, there's, yeah. How would you even make it taste good? Yeah. No, that's I a don't complete think, PR stunt. Exactly. That's what I was just they thinking. They took a couple like, sick cows that they couldn't eat anyways, and they just ground it all up, and they did something to make the world's biggest burger and got on the front page yep. of the newspaper. And the next day, everybody forgot about it. The, the only thing I can think that would justify it is if they, they made the burger, they got the award, and then they like cut the patty up into a bunch of little burger sizes and put them on separate buns and handed them out after recooking it because it probably wasn't cooked all the way through. That's the only thing I can think of. Sounds awful. Yeah. yeah that's disgusting. That was the world's largest burger as of 2012. You know my greatest regret about this little trivia game we just played? Not a single question about White Castle or Skyline Chili. Yeah, what? There was, <laughs> and you are from Wait, Ohio. Skyline, uh, oh, that's fast food. Fast food? Oh, oh I Skyline Chili. No, it's fast food. I thought it was the like Olive Garden. Well, it's like the Olive Garden of Ohio. I guess there's a question, <laughs> I guess there's a question about Olive Garden, too. I wouldn't consider Olive Garden fast food, either. Well, I guess, yeah. I guess I'm just talking about out to eat dining. Although I do often compare Olive Garden as the Taco Bell of Italian food. 
It's, it's on, I, think I would fair. say Fazoli's. Well, yeah, but, but I don't think there's a great difference in quality between Olive Garden and Fazoli's. Sure. Sure. They think there just, is. Olive Garden yeah. thinks there is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like people in Indiana feel that way about Michigan. Yeah. And people in Illinois feel that way about people in Indiana. Yeah. 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 I think you're about right on I that. I think Olive Garden needs to get um, like fry containers like McDonald's, but big ones that they can fill with breadsticks. Nine million breadsticks to be exact. Throughout the day, Fazoli's. I mean, that's what they're still living on is their breadsticks. Yeah, it's good stuff. Thanks, Patrick. All right, so I have, I think I have three wins, and now Preston joins the winner yes. column for right. once. So, all right, um, I love it. Well, thank you guys for listening to the Other Six podcast. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Patrick. My name is Preston. This has been the Other Six. We look forward to doing it again with you in a couple of weeks.